The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. This is Wheelhouse from the Robin Wheelhouse Show. And tonight I'll be joined by Corey Hightower. So tonight let's call it the Hightower and Wheelhouse Show. Both Rob and James are not able to make it, but they send their best. And man, aren't we all excited about the Astros. So tonight we're going to talk about the sweep of the Seattle Mariners, Justin Verlander's surging success, the obvious no-hitter, and many, many more. There's so many things to talk about. And hopefully in this podcast you can find out some things about the Astros that maybe you didn't already know and just reiterate why we are all a part of Astros Nation. Let's take it back. Join us next on the Robin Wheelhouse Show. Hey guys, this is Wheelhouse. I was just going to give you a single take on an issue that some listeners have been asking about, and that is the robo umpires. Robo umpires is something that the major leagues have been testing. Actually, with the local club, the Sugarland Skeeters, in in their um, in their independent league, and there has already been some controversy. There's already been managers actually throwing out arguing balls and strikes with the Robo Umpire. Although I think the intention is good, that Major League intends to get the strike zone correct. They intend to try to improve the accuracy of the calls of the plate. I think in the long run it hurts the game. I think in the long run it hurts the purity of the game. Because when you have certain pitchers and they're able to paint corners and they're able to widen the strike zone a little bit, it's the imperfect human element that really becomes an advantage to either the offense or the defense. Um, If the umpire is not calling them off the plate, the, the hitters aren't swinging. If they are, the hitters are swinging and it becomes an advantage. But that's what you do, and that's what makes baseball great. Are the imperfections is the human element of the game. And so while the robo-umpires are intended to clean up the game and make it more accurate, I think in the long run it hurts the purity of the game and what baseball was founded on, the historical aspect of it. Because what happens if the technology fails? Umpires actually can overrule the robo-umpire call, which makes no sense to me. Why have it if you're not going to use it? And which calls do you overturn? Again, what if, what if the calculations are off? What if the algorithm, I don't know, what if, I mean, what do they have this monitor and, and they've got these laser beams shooting at the plate and, and if the ball hits it at a certain spin or spin rate, it's going to call it a ball or strike? I mean, What inaccuracies come with that? I believe the devil's in the details. So this is Wheelhouse. I wanted to do a single take because we've got so many other things to talk about. But please send in questions. Let us know what you want to talk about. 
and we'll get together on those. Rob will be back with us this week, and we thank y'all for tuning in. Next, the High Tower and Wheelhouse Show. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Robin Wheelhouse Show. Like I said in the intro, I'm joined by Corey Hightower. Corey, how's it going tonight? Hey, what's going on, H-Town? It's going good. Man, what a series. I mean, the Houston Astros are simply on fire, aren't they? Uh, yeah, you could say that. It's been a uh, it's been a welcome turn of events for sure since the All-Star break. So, um, you, watched, you watched the game today. Um, we'll – We'll get to that here in a second, but um, I want to I want to briefly talk about the game the night before um, the combined no hitter. Um, what what is your what is your take on that? What do you I mean, I mean, how does that even happen if it's if it's not a scripted movie? You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, it's talk about setting expectations for uh, Aaron Hernandez. Uh, I mean, Aaron Sanchez, I mean, uh, I mean, it's like you couldn't set the bar any higher for yourself. Um, you come out and throw six no-hit innings. I mean, that's a setting your bar pretty high. Yeah, that's right. Um, we're, we're setting the bar really high. It's almost like you, you can't go anywhere but down, I think, um, be a genie or even – um, Sanchez mentioned that in the in the press conference. Um, what did you mm-hmm. think about them putting in Devo in the ninth inning to close the game out? Were you a little nervous? Yeah, I was for sure. Like I saw him, um, I saw him warming up, and I was like, "Well, there goes the no hitter uh, instantly." Like we looked at, we talked about Devo in one of the last episodes, and just I have not been impressed with anything he's done this year. And so I saw him warming up. I understood we had like a nine to nothing lead. You don't really want to waste anybody in the bullpen to sacrifice a no hitter. But for sure, I was not happy to see him get up and start getting loose uh, and then see him trot out of the bullpen. Uh, I just immediately thought, there it goes. Uh, It was nice while it lasted. You know, exactly. Well, I do know that the fact that they had three left-handers coming up played a role, I believe, in Hinge's decision of putting Devo out there. And um, I don't know if you saw Devo's comments afterwards. He said he didn't even realize there was a no-hitter going on until he looked up. He heard the crowd was loud, and he looked up, and he's like, oh, my God, there's a zero up there. And he said he had to basically step off the mound and go to the little bathroom in there and just, like, gather himself. He's like, oh, crap. Like, he said he didn't necessarily feel any pressure after that, but he said he had to immediately gather his thoughts. Um you know, yeah. with you have having having played baseball growing up and even high school and stuff like that, um, and at, at you know some higher levels, how how like how do you explain a pitcher or a pitching staff not knowing there's a no hitter? Are you just that in tune to the game that you're not really thinking about those statistics like a fan is? I mean, I mean, how do you explain that to the average fan who sits there and goes, "How can you not know there's a no hitter going on?" Right. Actually, the opposite. Um, a lot of people don't realize what goes on in those bullpens. Those guys, they're not – I mean, they're in there. They they're might be posted up at the fence line with their – in the seat lead back with their feet against the fence. But they're not exactly paying attention to the game. Think about um, 
has do you have to think of a mindset of a relief pitcher to to think that okay any number one or even pregame you're not like a starter you can't go out there go through a routine and try and stay focused to stay in that zone all the way up until your time is called in the seventh eighth and ninth that would be impossible so these guys in the bullpen are essentially just zoned out I mean there's literally there'll be guys taking naps uh, people will sleep they'll go to sleep in the first inning and Literally a bullpen catcher or a coach will go in there and wake them up in like the fifth or sixth inning and say, okay, guys, mm. let's get to work. And then they come out, and that's when you actually see them out there. It looks like aerobics going on in the bullpen. Everybody's getting stretched, getting loose. That's when they start getting into the game. That's when you can tell, okay, the score is this, this situation, this he's probably going in today. So I can understand why he didn't know there was no hitter because he was either A, asleep, or just in a completely different zone where he's not paying attention to the game at right, all. Right, right. Yeah, you know that's. I mean that that makes that makes perfect sense, and 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 I think sometimes as fans we forget about that. Um, I want to I want to ask you your thoughts on Martin Maldonado because he's really the guy that no one's talking about. Um, you know, a catcher is a is a is a key part of a game, and the reason why I, I bring him up, there is a pretty viral uh, clip of when. Maldonado just recently was with the Royals and they were at Yankee Stadium. You may or may not have seen this. They had, yeah. Yeah, yeah, where he they obviously is not yeah, happy so with he the looks pitch call. Over yes. And he gets, like, he gets a, apparently a horrible pitch call. Well, what happens the next pitch? The Yankees take him deep. And I mean, how key is he behind the plate in that no hitter? Uh, super key. I, I said in the last, uh, the last time I talked that. I was not. I was never impressed by the games that Stassi's right. called, and I was always impressed with the games Maldonado's called and the guys like pitching to him. And it definitely showed. I mean, there's a different level when you have a guy you trust behind the plate. No matter what he puts down, it makes pitching that much easier. You know, it's it's having someone help you get through those tough innings, and it's less thinking that you have to do. And it showed. I mean, you had two guys that have never pitched for him before. That's that's true. You know, you had two guys that came over and. He threw one through six no-hit innings, and the other one came in in a high-leverage situation to shut the door. That is – yeah, that – I mean, I mean that's key. Um, Maldonado said after – when they um, – I believe it was Julia uh, Morales asked him, you know, how do you, as a catcher, like what's your mindset when you have new pitchers coming in? Um, do you feel more urgency or, or do you get more tense with each batter? And he said, no. He said, you just have to stick with the game plan. He said there's a game plan coming into mm-hmm. every game, and no matter who's pitching, you know how you're supposed to pitch them. You know what pitches they have, what pitches in their arsenal um, are key go-to pitches. You know, I mean, and with that being said, you know, one guy may tee off on a changeup, but another guy may just totally buckle at a changeup. And so I, I, I just really liked having him behind the plate um, and, you know, getting getting this no-hitter – to go through four different pitchers um, is really something else. And, hey, I just wanted to clear one thing up because there were some rumors flying around that Aaron Sanchez was looking at his finger um, after he left the mound on the sixth inning. He was actually examining his left hand. He wasn't examining he, – yeah, he yeah, wasn't examining yeah, his, yeah. his pitching hand. So let's go ahead and clear that up. Aaron Sanchez isn't having blister issues, but he did have 92 pitches. And I, I, I thought Hinch was very much a chess master when he pulled out Sanchez when he did. Yeah, I, I was fine with seeing him pull him at, at 90 pitches. Like, 
as much as everybody loves the the romance of the game and want to see a no hitter, uh, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, I need I don't need you out there throwing 110 pitches in a game. It's not Cole. You're not Verlander. Um, we're trying to get you health. Like he he just said, you know, I feel healthy, healthier than I've ever felt before. Like that's great. Let's keep that. Let's not let's not push the pedal to the metal. You know, I, I need you. You throw 90 pitches. Come come have right, a seat. Good exactly. job. Exactly. Well, that that was great seeing that. Um, seeing the new guys get get so I guess acclimated and um, to really a storybook storybook type of finish. Um, so today, let's talk about the sweep. Let's talk about um, another sweep. Um, what what is the what is the Astros like record in their last like you know sixteen or so games? How many wins? How many losses do they have? And um, if you could tell us, um, like, what is their record right now against the American League West? It's got to be like, it's got to be an astronomical, like, wins, wins and losses record. Corey, you there? Sorry, yeah, I'm here. Okay. Uh, I know I'd have to off the, off the top of my head, I wouldn't be able to. I'd have to look those stats up. I know the Mariners alone coming into the series, we were nine and one. Okay. Uh, I know the last ten games are eight and two. Okay. Okay. Um, eight and two. I think so. that I, I I think we're fourteen of our last sixteen games, which is just which is just an insane like, it's like really. I mean, since the All Star break, um, you know, the Astros come into the game today. And um, they only scored three runs, but with Verlander on the mound, um, do you know what he did for the fourth time in a row today? Uh, I'm going to have to take a guess and say double-digit yes, strikeouts. double-digit strikeouts. Very good, yeah. Double-digit strikeouts. Yeah. I mean yeah. – I mean, that's kind of form. Like, it, it's sad to say how spoiled you get as a fan. Like, I'm watching the game today, and I'm just like, oh, you're at, you're at nine. <laughs> oh, now you're at ten. Okay, that's good. You know, it's kind of like – uh, it's no big deal. Oh, you gave up. A, you know, he's good for one. Usually he gives up one homer. Right. But it's like, okay, you're one, and then that's it. So uh, it's crazy how uh, how spoiled you can get watching him pitch. He's It's not that easy, I promise you. Oh, oh exactly. I, I agree 100%. Um, you know, and he became the first 15-game winner today, um, which, is just, which is just amazing. Um, Jose Altuve um, in the game today contributed you know again with hits in this whole series with hits um i think i saw on the on the um on the on the broadcast actually was he he was over four today he's been contributing all all series long i forgot i didn't realize he didn't even get a hit today um but you know jose altuve's being hot all season long um had i mean since the all-star break has been key but um, Alex Bregman today had two hits. Then you had Alvarez, who almost hit another home run, um, and then had that sack fly. Um, so you only get the five hits, but Verlander only allows four hits. He does allow one solo home run. I, th- I think he had gone, Corey, two games in a row without allowing a long ball. Uh, that, that might be true. Uh, I haven't been tracking that. I guess I know lately he's I mean, he's a fly ball pitcher. Yeah, true. Uh, and it's a hitter. It's a hitter's park. I mean, I'm not mad if he gives up one, which he's – he may have gone two games without giving up one. 
so I, I'm not I'm not mad at that at all. Um, this is something that comes with being a fly ball pitcher, him and Cole both, you know, and then you're bringing – you're throwing 97, 98 across the plate. It's, it's going to go far. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, so in this series, what – what did you what did you um, think stuck out the most um, with the Astros versus the Mariners? If if I could say, give me give me one thing, like one takeaway from this series. Uh, how about we're think picture about two or three months ago where the Mariners were as to right now. Uh, a couple. That's what big, biggest takeaway for me was the Mariners at the beginning of the season came out of the gate really hot like they usually do, and that was going to be supposedly they were going to be our biggest contention in the West, and now they're in full rebuild oh, mode. So that was my big, that's my biggest takeaway is uh, just uh, – that's, that's what I always tell people is baseball. Like you can take a team that goes hot out of the gate, and now look at them. They're, they're looking at draft picks. Oh, I know. I mean, so. so, you know, the Astros now are 73 and 40, and then the Mariners are 47 and 67. I mean, that is a massive, that is a massive turnaround there. Um, I was going to ask you, um, looking, looking ahead to the, to the series with the Rockies, it's just a two game series and opening up with Zach Grinke. Zach Grinke has actually pitched against the Rockies several times because he's a national league pitcher. Um, how do you see how do you see that matchup going um, when the Astros and the Rockies meet that first game? Uh, it could go either way. It could go really well because he's seen the Rockies so many times, and it could go the other way since the Rockies have seen him so many times. Um, looking at his stats against the Rockies this season in 2019, he, he's got one win, one loss, and three no decisions. Okay. Um, but the um, the wins and the no decisions. Um, he's never he's pitched always always hit the seven inning mark. Um, his best game was on the fifth the fifth of July. He pitched seven innings, gave up no runs, four hits, and nine strikeouts. That was the last time he faced the Rockies. Okay. So I, I'll, I'll, take, I'll I'll take that. You go anytime you can put up a zero in the run column. That, that's giving this team an easy chance. Right, right. And then um, he's going to be um, opposed by the Rockies. German Marquez, who is actually having a really good year, um, 10 and 5. Um, he's got a real high, high ERA, 4.68. I don't know how much that has to do with being um, in Colorado for half of those, half of those uh, games, you know, he pitches. And he has 150 strikeouts. So um, no slouch for sure. I do know that um, Marquez, it looks like he's only faced – well, I mean, he's faced, I guess, pretty much this whole lineup once or twice. And – um, a few people that have had success against him, Altuve, Diaz, Guriel, and Springer, um, all have averages of 400 or higher against them. Um, so, do, do you think do you think the Astros take these take these take these two games um, from from Colorado, seeing that they took the first two away? Do you think you know since they're here, they got the momentum, they got the signing of Grinky. Do you think that these that these two games? Although the Rockies are a better ball club than the Mariners, that they have a that they have a better chance of winning than they do do losing. 
Um, I, I would say, yeah, we do take the two games because the Rockies are they're They're in a struggling spot too. I mean, they're 52 and 60. I mean, they're, they're way below. I mean, they're below 500. They're five and five in their last 10. They're, I mean, not everything's looking sunshine and rainbows for them either down there. Their record's not that far off from the, from the Mariners. True. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say, yeah, we take these two games because home game momentum, all that good stuff. I mean, they still have some boppers in that lineup, what? but as far as we're looking at it on paper, yeah, we're, we're going to take two from the Rockies. You know, I just saw today, um, I actually just saw this update, I guess about an hour ago, David Dahl, and this may have happened, I don't know, the other day, and I, maybe I just didn't see it, but um, David Dahl is out. Um, he's not even playing, and he's had a yeah, breakout the, year the with the Rockies. Yeah, the leg injury kind of hurt him. I mean, really, the only two guys in there are Charlie Blackman and uh, uh, Nolan Arenado that you really have to worry about right now. So right. I, I feel good. Uh, I feel good about our chances. Well, good deal. Good deal. Um, so so we've got we've got all these things like going on. You know, all these all these um, possibilities. All these um, you know, everybody's predicting the you know the Astros have punched their ticket. They're they're World Series contenders. But tell me in your mind. What is the difference between the Astros and their mindset being front runners and being expected to go to go back to the World Series and and then being in this position versus other teams? Is there a, is there a difference in mindset that you see in this clubhouse and this ball club than you do in most other cities these days? Yeah, I, I feel like with the recipe that you have and that the way that clubhouse works. Um, there, when you have that kind of expectations, it can do one or two things to, you know, an athlete expectations either lift you up or it can tear you down. And I think this is the kind of club that will thrive on expectations being, they know they fell short last season. It, it's kind of like the going into 2017, you know, you, you fell, they realize they fell short. They know they're better than that. So I, I think that's the mindset you have to have is I think this team relishes on the pressure. No. Yeah. You know, me too. I, you know, I think, um, and not just from a fan base perspective, but just overall determination. Um, and, you know, of course I don't, I don't have the ability to get on inside of the mind and the psyche of every player and every clubhouse, but it just seems like, and maybe we're, because we're hyper-focused on it. It just seems like these guys, even though they got grinky, even though, They've got this, what they're calling um, space force and using the word F-O-U-R-C-E, like the number four. And, you know, all these cliches are going out there. It's like they're not attacking things any differently. You know, they're they're not they're not changing. They're not puffing out their chest saying, oh, look at us. We're the we're the big boys on the block. They just I see putting their nose nose of the grindstone and just keep plugging away. And I think that will be the key to their success in the end. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and they realize that they're big league ball players. This is the major leagues, and it's it's the best team on any day. I mean, it's not saying that the Rockies come to town with a below five hundred record and and light us up. I mean, it's the best team on the on that day. So and you have to you have to keep grinding that axe. And I, I think this team has enough enough experience in that clubhouse that they know it. Yeah, and that's and that's what I think is is key, and what I think that this that this club has. Um, really an advantage not only veteran talent but homegrown veteran talent and I, th- I think that's 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 such a key thing I do want to go back to the no hitter because there's something that a lot of people really aren't talking about 
because it was a combined no-hitter, and it's very historic. But the Astros had 15 hits in that game. You know, they I mean, they scored nine. It, it wasn't, you know, a lot of times no-hitters are like, seem to be low-scoring affairs, right? Like two to nothing. Right. I mean, they banged out 15 hits in that game. And it was, it was almost like when a Little League team run rules another Little League team and you're like, when's this going to stop, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, speak to that. What do you think opponents are thinking going into it? Because it's like in, in 05, we were, we were pretty much pitching and no offense, right? But now we're pitching with the offense. I mean, does that make it more difficult for managers to plan against us when we get to a five or seven game series? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's good luck. I mean, it's pick, it's pick your poison. I mean, how do you make a game plan for that? You know, you can't, you can't attack just, just one, one stat of our game. I mean, it's, if you attack one stat, there's another one behind it that boosts up that you're missing. So, uh, I mean, as a, I don't want to be an opposing manager. I mean, like I said, it's good luck, especially in a five game series. Good luck. Just, yeah, that's all I got to say is, is good luck against this team. If they play to this potential. Yeah, right. good luck. on paper, yeah, this team is this team is the best on paper. Yeah, they are. And, and, and um, Vegas odds now shows them two to one odds. So I, th- I, I think they were fourth <laughs> or fifth, and now they jump two to one. So, yeah. you know, when there's a lot of money riding on it, um, you know, that's just, that's just unreal. Hey, I, uh, let's, let's, um, Let's talk about this about this new thing the the Astros just put together the uh, the the Houston Astros Hall of Fame. Okay, um, did you did you get to watch any of the live coverage on TV to see the different honorees? Oh yeah, yeah, I definitely. I took time out of my day to sit down to make sure I watched that one. That was a uh, that was real done by the organization. That was pretty cool to see all those guys up there. I mean, that's that's my childhood walking across those stages, you know. Oh yeah, exactly. And and um, you know, the reason why I want to mention that is because Jeff Blum made a really good point about the about establishing this Hall of Fame and and having a class each year inducted. He said it helps bridge the gap of generations of Astros fans. One and two, it helps to solidify the history and the foundation of the club going forward because, you know, the Yankees, they have Memorial Park. You know, I mean, all these other teams have these memorials. The the Reds have their museum, you know, and all this stuff. And he said it really, it really brings Houston up another level with the other major ball clubs to really cement their place in history. You know, like you said, watching your childhood people. And there are guys out there, Bob Aspermonte, that I never watched. J.R. Richard, I, I vaguely remember. I was really, really young when he pitched. But I thought it was really cool. And I, I thought it was neat that they honored those that had passed away, too, as well. Guys like Milo Hamilton, you know. I mean, you and I listened to him growing mm-hmm. up. And yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it was cool. It was, uh, it, was definitely, it was definitely emotional, man, when seeing the toy cannon out there. Oh, and barely could get his hand up to wave that that was a that's pretty touching there yeah it's you know it's tough to see those athletes because we see them now as these these these, you know they're they're these massive muscular in shape guys and they're the top of the line athletes and to see them when they're older and you know it just reminds us that they're humans they're not just players or they're not just there for our entertainment um so 
I, so I've got it. Well, uh, definitely, I wanted to say while we're on the subject of of that picture, um, I did some research on Sanchez and just kind of looking at numbers as far as pitch usage and different things like that. And um, one of the biggest thing everybody always talks about it when someone comes to Houston, they're like, "Oh God, they're gonna they're gonna teach him spin rate and." It's going to be high fast. You're going to be throwing high fastballs and then low curveballs down their throats. And uh, I'm looking at his pitch usage yesterday. He always has a high fastball percentage. So he's always above 50% with his fastball. Yesterday he was 52.2% fastball usage. Uh, but the biggest jump was the curveball percentage is 30.4. Uh, usually it hovers around 18%. Mm. So that, that's something that stuck out to me. Uh, one thing I did see that I did not okay. like uh, when I went through his numbers is a decline in velocity. Mm. Um, even this year, um, at the start of the season, his fastball is averaging 94.5 miles an hour, and it has declined. Even to yesterday, his average fastball velocity was 92.4. We can go all the way back until 2016. His fastball is averaging 96.7 mm. okay. miles per hour. He used it used it 80% of the time and only used his curveball 15% of the time. When you're averaging that kind of heat, obviously you can play off the fastball a little more. Um, I just feel like with that decline in velocity, the curveball percentage, it has to go up and maybe even change up percentage, something like that. So that's the only thing that kind of worried me was uh, the decline in velocity. No. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that makes perfect sense. Um, That's, that's what I think, you know, Brent Strom is, um, is, is a, is a mastermind at, um, and just to up, up, update the fans from what I understand, I know Brent Strom went to the hospital last night, um, for a, some, a gastrointestinal type um, of like surgery. He's going to be in there for a few days, but AJ Hinch today said that, um, he should be back in about three or four days. Um, but Brent Strom has been a key to that. And, um, he's, um, I've heard him in an interview. He talked to um, Colin McHugh on Colin McHugh's podcast, 12-6. Um, you actually told me about it, and I went and listened. And I got so much insight onto, on, on what he sees as the important pitches, what he sees um, as, the, as the money pitches, as the pitches that create the most swing and misses. And I think that's what they're going to work with, work with Sanchez with. And remember, Morton, Morton had some of the same issues when he came here and his spin rate and velocity. Did his velocity go up while he was here in Houston, Morton? Yeah, his, his velocity ticked up. He, he, he gained like a good four miles per hour in his fastball. And, yeah, like I said, if, if, Joe, if Joe Blow like me can sit down on fan graphs and look up this information, like I promise <laughs> you, Red Strom has his information and is already long. It's miles ahead of me as far as what needs to be done with Aaron Sanchez. Yes. Brent Strong probably puts like nano bugs on his pitchers or something and has some weird, like I picture him in this room, kind of like Iron Man, you know, kind of like Tony Stark. He's got like all the, I'm just saying like what he does with the pitchers is just, is just, it's phenomenal. And I, I, I actually like to hear opposing fans talk to us about how we are cheating and, and, and how the Astros are, doing something wrong. And I'm like, that's fine. Cause anytime anybody does something great in sports, someone else, the opposing team's going to be like, Oh, they must be cheating. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. That's what happens. So I guess it's kind of being the, 
I mean, we've almost overnight become kind of the bad guys of the league, you know? Um, yeah, uh, I have a friend who's a diehard Red, Red Sox fan. He texted me the other day and was like, congratulations on becoming the new Yankees without paying for players. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's right. We, 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 we pay uh, – you know, we pay in human bodies. We trade players around. That's how we do our exactly. currency. Exactly. Well, but. here's the deal. I just saw the numbers, um, and actually, I didn't see them. I heard the numbers on Shane Green, on all the other high-leverage relief pitchers that people went out and got, the Braves, um, the guy that left the Nationals, all these other, like, pitchers, and they are not pitching well at all. Um, one of them's already on the DL, or, I mean, I'm sorry, IL. Um, and I'm just, like, going, man, we – we pick the right pieces, you know, it, it, it's just unreal. Lunau's department, his analytics department and his brain. I mean, it's just, I don't know. Yeah. Like somebody, I saw a Twitter post. Somebody said, if, uh, if the Astros call you about a player in your organization that you're not too sure at and offer to trade for him, hang up the phone and sign him to a hundred million dollar deal and figure it out. <laughs> Cause, uh, <laughs> They're seeing something, you know. Oh yeah, for real, so. for real. That's that's that is definitely that is definitely um that's cool, man. That'll that'll preach on Sun that'll that'll preach on Wednesday and twice on Sundays, as they say in the South. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, go ahead. Uh, thinking about just underrated picks. Um, seeing Jordan today do his thing once again. Have uh, you been paying attention to any of the rookie of the year conversations? You know what? I, I have been, and he's, he's slowly um, moved really into the mix. But the, who is the other guy that everybody's talking about? Um, uh, it's Brandon Lowe. Brandon okay. Lowe from Tampa Bay. Brandon Lowe, oh, that's at right. At the last poll, they, which was two weeks ago, they did a poll. Brandon Lowe is running away with 35 votes and Jordan has six, but Jordan's in second with six votes. Okay. Yeah. I just, I don't, I don't see, I don't see Lowe winning it if the Astros continue their success and if he continues hitting, because isn't he hitting for a higher average than Lowe? Cause I, I don't have Lowe's numbers in front of me. Yes. Uh, oh, I happen to. Don't worry, my nice. friend. So, <laughs> so I got, so you have Lowe hitting at 276, Alvarez at 338. Um, so that does, the categories that Alvarez leads Lowe is average and slugging percentage, where Lowe slugging is 523, mm-hmm. Alvarez slugging at 689. Uh, Lowe hasn't beaten RBIs for 49 and 40. Now keep in mind, Lowe has been on the roster since day one. He has. That's correct. Um, so these numbers, you think about Alvarez is right behind him with 40 RBIs. It's like, ah. Also, Alvarez has a way lower strikeout percentage, 25.4, whereas Lowe's 33.9. Alvarez, 13 dingers. Uh, Lowe's got 16. So you keep the time. Like If you look at the like the proportion of time played on a roster, uh, Alvarez, by the end of the season, might be right there on top. Because those are really the only two in the American League. Uh, you think about all the other – studs are all in the national league with Alonzo and Guerrero jr. People like that. Elo Jimenez. So it's really an Alvarez and low race. Yeah. I hear you. You know, and Lowe actually played, um, I found out he played in 2018. Um, he played like 43 games. So, you know, he didn't play the 70 games or whatever required to be considered a rookie. And I mean, he only batted 233. So 
whatever he did in the offseason to fix fix a swing or get better, he's definitely gotten better. And, I mean, he's a very good young player. I just don't see how you can ignore what, um, you know, Alvarez is doing. And it's not – and you know, it's not just the power numbers. I mean, it's him hitting opposite of the shift or, you know, hitting against the shift, you know, getting a single. Or today, when he fouled that – when he fouled that pitch off of his knee – and then he got back in the box and almost hit a he almost hit a home run dead center. You know what I'm saying? It was it was like good. Well, it's like what can this yeah. guy not do? You know, at the plate. Yeah, he's, he's impressive at the plate. Also, I'm looking at I'm I'm just scrolling through Twitter while you're talking, and breakfast just tweeted out just saying the boys are balling. Go buy you a mattress or a mattress Mac. I guarantee it will be free. Oh man, so. I, dude, I have got to get on that gravy train. <laughs> I can't convince my wife. I'm telling her they're going to win this year. And I've got a lot of friends buying mattresses right now. I, I, I start getting the temper I, I, I tell you that. <laughs> yeah. It says it'd be free. I mean, who knows? Maybe we can get a sponsorship out of it. I could talk to Mattress <laughs> Mac. We'll go, we'll go down there, double team. Hey, Mattress Mac, what's up? Robin Woodhouse and Hightower and James. We're here to get a mattress and put you on a show and all that stuff. So. Um, but man, this, you know, this is, this is just great, great conversation to have. Um, I do, I do like what you're saying though. It is, um, we are, we are getting spoiled and, you know, the fan base is getting spoiled. And so fan bases, when they get spoiled to winning and stuff, it's what, what tends to happen is when there are mess ups, when there are mishaps or someone has a bad game, um, it's almost like people get like hypercritical, you know? Um, oh yeah. Mistakes get magnified for sure. And so what, what I, what I rest in is that the players are going to go about their business no matter what, whether they're winning or losing, they're going to go out there and AJ Hinch has created such a great environment in that clubhouse. And so is such a good relator. You know, he's a, he's a player's manager. That's that's what I've always thought him as because he a was a player, um, and Lunau said that he actually took psychology classes in college, and he he reads a lot of books on like how people think and how to how to like you know influence people and all that stuff. And so uh, apparently, what he's doing off the field translates really well in his job. Yeah. Oh, also, Luno, you talk about fun fact. Uh, imagine being him and looking out. On to last night, you look out and think about the guys that are throwing this no-hitter for you. Aaron Sanchez and, uh, and Joe Biagiani, however you say his last name, I'm never going to get that down, come over in like a low-key trade. You know, Will Harris was a waiver claim, and Chris Stavinsky is one of those players to be named later in a trade. These guys were not – these are not your high-paid prospects. These are not first-round draft picks. These are dudes that just yeah. showed up. And you, you went out and did these undercover deals, and here they are. They threw it a combined no hitter for you. I mean, if that's that's a good feeling. yeah, and and you know that's I mean, gosh, I I hate to, I hate to harp on these guys, and no pun intended with Bryce Harper, but um, these guys that sign these massive three hundred and something million dollar contracts and they're not producing. I mean, the Astros. If you do a cost benefit analysis of all the transactions that Lunau's done. Whether it's whether it's draft picks, whether it you know it's extension with Bregman, we've discussed that before. I mean, we have gotten the most. 
it's like you know um whenever your parents would tell you growing up you you got to squeeze every penny out of the dollar that you can i mean that's what they're doing yeah so that's just i mean it's just it's just unreal um so so hey i'm going to i'm going to play your game i'm going to i'm going to give you some i'm going to give you some buy or sell you want to do that tonight okay yeah okay. let's go for it buy or sell the Astros only lose two series the rest of the year in the in the regular season. Ooh. Not sweep, but they win every series but two the rest of the year. Hmm. I can buy okay. that. I, I can buy that for sure. Um, yeah. I mean that's it's a lot of games left, but uh, without looking at the schedule, I know off the top of my head we're going to play a lot of division yes. games. So that includes the Mariners and the Angels, you know, and the Rangers. If I uh, no, I think we're done. I think with the we Rangers. are. Never mind. Uh, I know we have a series with the Orioles mm-hmm. coming up. You know they're not doing good. The White Sox are sneaky. Um, so I, I I'll buy it. Okay, I'll, I'll buy it. I'm big on series wins. I'm, I'm not a big sweep guy. I think you can piece two as long as you come out of two out of three out of a series. That, that's that's how you win division. Okay. So, yeah, I'll buy. Very it. cool. All right, buy or sell. Um, we have two players in the MVP race, but none of them win it. Okay, two players in the MVP race, but none of them win it. And I'm gonna go with. Yuli Gurriel and Michael Brantley. Ooh, uh, I'll I'll okay. sell that one. I honestly, I think if anyone's going to be in the MVP race, it's going to be Bregman, um, and he's probably not going to win the the AL MVP. I, I'm just going to sell overall. I don't know if we'll have two uh, as much as I would love to see us have two in the MVP race. I don't okay, we'll okay, all right. Um, let's go with another like um, hitting offensive type question. Buy or sell, we will have at least four players with a 300 average or more at the end of the season. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Have any three players or more? Oh, you want me to, you want me to lower it to three? <laughs> no, no oh, four. You said, okay, you so, said okay, four? Because, oh, okay, Ooh. so – I'll tell you this right now. We have three, and we have we have three players at two ninety to two ninety three. That's Correa, Springer, and Guriel. And we have three players: Altuve, Brantley, and Alvarez, all at three hundred. So by ourselves, we will have at least four players hitting three hundred at the end of the season. Okay, I'll buy it because I predicted. Um, I write for Climbing Towers Hill, and I, I predicted we would have actually have five. And one of my five was actually Bregman. Um, Bregman really hasn't hit for average, although he's gotten a ton of key hits. All right, buy or sell. Garrett Cole, okay. Garrett Cole ties Verlander for wins on the season and wins the Cy Young Award, buy or sell. I am I'm, – all right, I'm going to buy Cy Young and – I'm going to sell Ty's Verlander with wins. Okay. Um, I know that may be contradicting, but in a time now, no one really looks at okay. wins, losses. 
uh, I.e. Jacob DeGrom winning a Cy Young. I think that dude had like four wins when he won exactly, Cy Young. That's true. Um, yeah, I don't think he's going to tie Verlander in in wins, but I do think I, I, I have him huge on my uh, my leaderboard as far as Cy Young goes. That's no bias. You know, that's being completely unbiased. I mean, this dude's going to lead the league in strikeouts. So I, I think he does. I think I'll take the Cy Young, Garrett okay. Cole. All right. I got one more kind of fun one. Um, and of course this is, this is just looking way into the future and we're being optimistic. We're not trying to jinx anything. We're just, we're just trying to, you know, come up with a really cool creative hypo- hypotheticals for the listeners. Buy or sell Jordan Alvarez wins MVP of either the ALDS ALCS or world series Buy or sell. <laughs> oh, I'm going to sell strictly because you look at who he's going up against and you look at usually who gets these MVP awards and it usually comes from the man on the mound. True. I would I'd be willing to bet that one of those three guys, one of our three aces are going to win that, is going to take that title. Uh, it's not far out of the question, though. I just think that it's kind of cheating when if you have a Verlander go out in a division league series and throw, let's say he throws a game like today. Right. You have a one run and punch out ten. Yeah, congratulations! You're the you're going to be the MVP. And, and God knows what else they can do. Maybe come out of the pen, make a heroic stand, something like that. I guess I just think it's a little easier, a little easier for a pitcher to win that award. True. Well, I guess he he would have to go on almost like a Carlos Beltran or George Springer type of home run tear. And I guess I guess yeah. you know that's really where where I guess I'm I'm actually coming at it from that angle. Um, because just seeing the way he's able to just hit the ball so well. And again, you know, you are going against everybody else's best pitchers. Okay. Um, and then one, one, one last one, um, buy or sell, you see a Houston versus LA rematch of the 2017 world series. Uh, I'm going to sell. Okay. Um, I'm actually going uh, Braves, Braves, Astros, man. Um, I am. I don't think the Dodgers did what they needed to do, and I think the Braves at the deadline. I think the Braves did what they needed to do. I don't know if you've been paying attention to the Braves, second highest run production in the National League right now. Actually, I might be the second highest run production in the MLB, mm. but uh, the Braves are tearing the cover off the ball right now, and they went and helped out their bullpen, which was the only chink in their chain. So watch out, National League. Hot take right here. Pick in the Braves. Go to the World Series. And how amazing would that be? We get home field advantage for that. You know, granted we're in that scenario. And Dallas Keuchel pitches first game of the World Series in Houston. <laughs> I mean, you know what? That would be a dream. There's so many ways a network could hype that up. You look at the pass between us and the Braves how we always met, you know, in the playoffs and probably would have been in the World Series a lot more if it wasn't for that Braves dynasty. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in the late So, uh, yeah, that's what I'm picking. I'm taking the Braves. You know, not to, uh, not to quote Michael Scott or anything, but, oh, how the turntables. <laughs> so, well, good deal, man. Um, I, know, I know throughout our conversation, I'll just kind of mention it to the listeners. We do appreciate y'all listening. Um, every once in a while, um, audio will kind of fade in and out when either I'm talking or, 
you know, Corey's talking. So we don't, we don't really have control of that. So we appreciate your endurance through all that. Um, we love talking baseball. One of the things we do want and we're in that we are going to ask, I'm going to ask that you go to the Apple podcast or go to anchor. If you're able to review and do reviews for our shows and let us know what you think. Um, we need some up-to-date reviews. We need some ideas. Um, give us, give us kudos. I mean, we don't mind if you've got some critiques, but just don't, just don't beat us over the head with it. We, we want, we want to know what we can do to make the show better for you on your way to work listening. Um, but you know, I'm wheelhouse and I'm, I'm super pumped to be a part of this. I'm, I'm so glad that, that Rob invited me and man, Rob and I couldn't be happier to have you, Corey, to have James as well. Um, we, I just, I enjoy the conversation. Um, Corey's, um, what are some, what are some, what are some final thoughts for, for the people and for the state of the Astros before we sign off tonight? Uh, I think we pretty much covered it all the day, guys. Just stay the course. I said these are good times right now, but don't be surprised if we hit one more slump before that, uh, before the playoffs start, which is fine with me. I actually think we're due for one more slump because uh, it's it's all about the guy, the teams who get hot right there. Um, if we can get hot right about September, cruising to October, I'll be fine with that. So uh, just hang on. It's going to be a good ride. Excellent. Hey, um, Corey, or as we call it, the – High Tower and Wheelhouse Show. Corey, thanks for um, thanks for joining me tonight. Great conversation, great information, and hey, man, um, go conduct those trains, brother. <laughs> All, All right, right, man. Uh, take, take a look. All right. All right, this is Wheelhouse. We're signing off. Thanks for listening. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.